Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co host, analyst Deanna Lawfer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Diana. Hello, Diana. Hi. And we have a special guest uh, this week. It is our former colleague here at Forrester on the Customer Experience team, Paul Hagen, uh, joining us. Paul is now the head of Customer Experience and Innovation Strategy, I believe. I think I have that right, at West Monroe Partners. Hi, Paul, and, and please correct me if I have any part of your title uh, incorrect. No, you got it right. Uh, thanks, thanks, Sam. Good to, good to talk to you, and hi, Deanna. And, um, Paul, you are our first uh, non-Forrester analyst guest on the podcast. So uh, even though you are a former analyst uh, at Forrester, so it, it's still sort of uh, keeping to that vein of, of, of podcast guests. And we wanted to talk to Paul uh, this week about the rise of the customer experience professional. It's something that, Paul, we know um, you tracked when you were an analyst here in your research and that you've continued to track uh, at West Monroe Partners. And so, um, you know, it's obviously something Forrester's been writing about for a while, um, something you've been tracking for a long time. My question, my first question for you is, is what are you seeing now in terms of this role going from a, a position that, you know, may or may not exist at companies that, you know, could could uh, you need to have a chief customer officer, but if they move on to a new role or leave the company, they're not replaced. What are you seeing today in terms of the maturity of the customer experience professional? So I think there's a few things. Um, you know, like you said, Forrester's been tracking it for a, for a long time, and you know, one of the things that that, that uh, we noticed way back when is is um, these customer experience leaders were often the first. Uh, in, in, in their, their positions within a company. It was kind of an exper uh, experimental position, right. and um, most of those folks didn't have prior background. Right. Um, so they were coming out of a quality organization that may have been, um, you know, in a support, or, a support side that might have been in marketing. Um, and, and really this position, you know, didn't necessarily come with any, any, any background. So, you know, a few of them had that. Um, Kerry, I remember Kerry Bodine used to talk about um, there not being any, um, professional programs, so you couldn't get a degree in customer experience at a university, right. um, and there weren't really um, um, there weren't really certification programs like you might have for lawyers or uh, the, uh, doctors or, or you know even Lean Six Sigma types of folks. So, well, three things that really changed is you've got people, um, both people and organizations. People who have been in the job before and are taking their second or third uh, position as a customer experience mm. leader, so they might have been a, 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 a second tier or a third tier, uh, you know, manager, director, VP, reporting up into a customer experience organization, and then they're getting the promotion into a higher level. But they've been through the paces right. um, once or twice, and they're taking those jobs again. Organizations are going through multiple phases, so they've had a chief customer officer and are taking it up to the next level. The person has one person has moved on. They've they've, they've put another person in place. Um, so that's happening at universities. We're starting to see. I'm starting to see any number of um, uh, business school programs 
linking up with design school programs. So Art Center College uh, uh, of Design in Pasadena has got a joint MBA. So one of the better design schools uh, in the world, really. There's uh, folks that produce folks uh, like the CEO of IDEO, uh, right. who's really brought uh, design thinking to the forefront. So they have a joint a master's program in both design with the Drucker School of Management and the Claremont Colleges where, they, where the students can get an MBA program. Um, Stanford Business School has uh, essentially kind of co-opted uh, or, or, or eaten up the, the Stanford Design School. Um, uh, our, I think it's our, the California College of the Arts. College of the Arts has a, has a design MBA program. Yep. So, you know, again, that's something that we haven't seen be, before. Um, and, and, of course, there's the, the CXPA out there, which has got a certification program now. So there's not only a, uh, uh, some semblance of a curriculum that exists that they put in place, but also, um, you know, they've, they've put in place a, a, a test to at least certify, and they've had, you know, several hundred people go through that. So I think they're all sort of green shoots. In my mind, in many ways, we're at what I think are the early stages of, of perhaps what um, what happened with the, with the Lean Six Sigma kind of movement, where you know it didn't exist, and then process, you know, process and uh, 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 manu- the manufacturing process or, or, or efficiencies from from Lean created a, 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 a professionalization. They created certifications. They created right. belts. Uh, they created all sorts of resources. Um, I think you're seeing both that from a practitioner type of level, as well as just you know, uh, at a at a more managerial kind of perspective. This you know, design MBA type of thing is it gets really really interesting from a from a leadership perspective. One thing that we see from a lot of our um, clients who are CX practitioners is they often come from different parts of the organization. Maybe they were successful in their old role and they get promoted to, hey, we're starting the CX thing, can you lead it? Um, but it sounds like as CX becomes a more um, mature discipline that that might happen less and less and, and people with actual CX experience might get hired. So um, I guess are you seeing that and, and what are the implications for organizations? Does that mean that they can maybe move faster in their CX maturity because they have people with with specific experience in the discipline? I, I think that's certainly going to help uh, move things along faster. Um, that said, you know, if you, I love to look back at Lean and Six Sigma as, as kind of a parallel because, mm-hmm. you know, that took off and became wildly popular, and at some places it was really successful and other places it wasn't. Um, at some comp- some companies had built up a capability and a culture, um, and and really embraced the change management and the cultural change that you needed to to, to do that. Others, even though they had a bunch of people trained and maybe had done it before, had a leader who had done it at other organizations, still failed. Mm-hmm. But I think there's an interesting parallel that, that we're gonna we're gonna you know follow in many many respects. I just think customer experience is an evolution from the total quality management from way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that, you know, eliminating defects and efficiency are table stakes now, and we've moved from a, a linear, um, you know, product uh, development world to a, a very non-linear customer experience world. So in some ways, the, the challenges are more complex than we faced in the past. Mm. 
And I think that means it's going to be more challenging for the professionals, whether they have experience or not, um, to, to, to get their organizations to adapt and change. But I think we're going to see as many failures as, you know, companies who are really embracing it and, and, and leveraging that talent. Um, but, I, you know, again, I think we're at really, really early stages of this, so, I, you know, I, don't, uh, I, I wouldn't be over-promising anything at this, uh, at this point in terms of the, the impact of what we're starting to see as the professionalization of the, the CX Pro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, another thing that I think is going to fuel the, this, uh, at least the professionalization and the, the, the idea that people have experience, is I think, you know, digital digital going out with, with us and, and, and companies have been kind of dealing with it for the last 15, 20 years now, uh, you know, or more. Um, and, and, and there have been programs with human-centered design um, components or UX, you know, kind of focused things. I, I, but I think we've turned the point where companies are, you know, many, many more companies, kind of the laggards are getting serious about digital. It's, it's starting to disrupt, you know, it's been disrupting industries, but it's really having a, you know, much more powerful effect as, as companies start crossing industry boundaries, you know, the Google getting into insurance uh, uh, type of thing. Um, and, and I think those folks will have a bigger, bigger role. You know, they all get uh, trained in human-centered design, and you know, customer experience is borrowed from the product design world and the, and the user user experience kind of world. So, I think that that those those skills um, lend themselves really ni nicely to um, coming into an organization, applying them in a broader context. Fred Leiter has done a you know great job. He's one of the early early folks who came out of that user, uh, more of the user experience and the digital side and became, um, you know, chief experience officer over at Fidelity. But it seems like there's still a lot of uh, room for growth in organizations when it comes to understanding human-centered design. I've been, I've actually started off some research in, um, in the types of customer research that uh, firms use when developing their customer experience visions um, and strategies because it seems to be a lot of, uh, of market research, but um, firms, digital agencies, and, and other firms that, that specialize in human-centered design have assured me that um, more and more brands that they work with understand the value of, of you know, design research and, and customer understanding, but it's still not a plethora of of their clients that truly understand those types of disciplines. Uh, I, I, and I buy that for sure. I mean, it, it's it, I, it's still remarkable. Um, you know, we live and breathe this stuff every day, so we take it as as second uh, nature. <laughs> but it always is amazing to me how many companies or how many individuals and companies you can talk to, and just having the customer. A, a customer mindset, having empathy with the customer, and looking and framing a problem through a customer's eyes, is is like a, a completely new vision and a new way of thinking for for lots of you know. And people, uh, you know, people love it. You know, it's, it's, it's not something that they think about. But you know, what we're fighting with is a hundred years of you know more of you know, the way companies were run and, 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 you know, through a product lens, you've got business schools largely teaching an inside-out perspective. Um, you've got, tech, uh, you know, uh, technology solutions um, out there in, 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 in much of the consulting world, um, you know, teaching how to, how to optimize business processes. 
so there's a lot of inertia. That's why I say we're still really early in this game, and I think people are still just there. Are, there are a few who are getting their arms around this and really understanding. Um, and these professionals, having done it you know multiple times, are are getting a much bigger uh, sense of it. But they're you know that's just the tip of tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, I would say most companies don't operate that way. Um, um, and and you've really just got some you know leaders. Um, you know, and some companies who are struggling with, you know, a, a very, very rapidly changing competitive environment who mm-hmm. are, you know, are, are starting to face something, um, you know, that they're not familiar with and looking for new, new solutions. So I think we're, we're again, we're, we're still early in this game, which is great news for those, you know, those folks who are in it and, and still plowing their face into the concrete uh, of inertia. Um, you know, I, I think the demand is going to keep going up. Uh, you know, and again, at the, the higher stage, um, Bo Gray's uh, over at Best Buy, his position is interesting. It's customer experience and strategy because I think customer experience is strategy. It's just a, a lens at how you pro- frame your strategy and the problems you're trying to solve for customers. Um, so, Paul, um, imagine it's 2020, so five years from now, and you're looking back. Um <laughs> How are you describing the developments in you know the the customer experience professional role? I'm going to go. I'm going to push it out 2025 because 2020 Great. is just around the corner. Um, um, Scary close. <laughs> I, I know. At first, when you said that, I was like, "Ooh, DDD future." Um, <laughs> it still sounds like the future, doesn't it? Even though it's only five years away, yeah. like that deep future. It, it, it does. It does. Well, I'm pushing to 2025, so at least you know, for seven it. years, the year, the, the year of the. So I think we're going to find, you know, like most trends, um, we're going to find customer experience probably goes away, and there will be some other term um, that's hot that's um, that people are talking about. But I think underlying, underlying, what people are talking about and, and how they're framing the problem, what positions are, that are out there. Um, we're going to be seeing, you know, how do I get closer to my customer? How do I use all of this data that uh, I can collect? How do I, right. how do I adapt my value proposition and, and, and communicate it or, or create awareness among my, you know, my customers, my non-customers of the value proposition that I have? How do I adapt um, all of those Fundamental questions are what customer experience is dealing with today, and will deal with in the future. And they dealt with um, them, you know, CRM. You know, it's funny because when I listened to a lot, you know, I spent years following and, and following CRM technologies and yep. strategies and so forth. And I see a lot of the same language, or, or at least the underlying problems. And now the language has changed. Right. Um, you know, three sixty view of customers. How do I create better relationships? How do I engage customers? A lot of those things, you know, I think are not that different. Even though now we're talking about customer experience, the one thing that's good now is we're talking much more about the organizational change. Right? When you look at the strategists, the CRM world, they used to talk about the process. You know, they talk about process, you know, business processes, not customer processes. I think we've progressed. Um, you know, I think. Um, I think people, you know, the, the, we're going to be redefining industries. And so, um, um, you know, the notion of these traditional industries that are out there. And so I think you're going to be seeing people grapple with that, uh, you know, a lot more. Um, I think the notion, you know, I really like, 
oh, I'm gonna, I, I'm, uh, Rita Graf, McGrath, I think it is, who talked about uh, transient advantage um, rather than uh, hmm. you know, competitive advantage like Porter talked about. So, you know, I think companies will use their listening, you know, that who get sophisticated about the voice of the customer programs are going to be, you know, using those as signals to um, have the, you know, uh, take advantage of windows of opportunity, you know, minor shifts in their marketplace, minor shifts in capabilities, or they can actually go get out to market faster than someone else. And, you know, they're out there for, for nine to 12 months and, and, you know, they can, they can capitalize on that. Yeah. Um, like smaller, smaller windows of, of competitive advantage, but maybe more flexibility or nimbleness to take advantage of those smaller windows. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what else was? I, th- I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, uh, professional schools. Um, I think you're going to see some programs um, uh, within within organizations um, really succeed and fly. I mean, you, you're seeing that today. Some some organizations are really great at this at this customer experience thing, and others, you know, I think you're going to see some spectacular failures at big companies, and and, and some companies retrench, yeah. um, but then die. Great. Well, well, Paul, thank you for, for joining us. Um, and listeners, we'll post uh, links to um, some of the reports that uh, were sort of referenced in our, in our conversation. And, and Paul, um, thank you for being our first uh, non-Forster guest. We'd love to have you back again. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll probably find another time to, to, to bring you back and talk about another topic. Thanks so much for having me. Nice to talk to you today. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's CX Cast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at s-s-t-e-r-n at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality. Mm-hmm.